to thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Thank you for being here this morning. We deeply appreciate today. We know that this is a big week coming before us. So I know you're excited. And particularly the excitement we see today with families. If uh, the friendship register has not been passed down your pew, would you please do that? <clears throat> and visitors, 
please give us the information that we're asking for there. Excuse me. <clears throat> we're asking for so we'll have some contact information on you. We appreciate all of our visitors that are here today. We enjoy having visitors. Welcome anytime. But so, so good to see all this group here today. Thank you very much. Everybody's special to us. Uh, I'm excited to announce that Vicki Downs has officially placed membership with us here. A lot of us have known her in the past years. Vicki is, uh, lives at Iuco, I think now, and comes with the Dooleys. But we're excited that she's back with us. So try to make sure you see her and give her a good welcome to be with us. And, and uh, we're, we deeply appreciate Vicki. Listen out of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this day. The beauty of it as we get out the home to travel to the building here to enjoy the time and the weather that we have. And Father, it's exciting to see people come through the doors and into the building to see them visiting with each other and being happy. Father, we're thankful for the congregation here, the whole congregation, we, we, we know that we can see the love for one another and just be known as a church, as a loving church, not only to our people here in the building, but to other people that we're around. We're so thankful for this membership we have, the, the many people that are involved in things. We're just so thankful that we have this congregation in this place that we can assemble on Sunday morning to worship you. Now we pray this, we enter our worship service that we can participate where we need to participate. We thank you for the ones that will be leading it today and that when we leave today that we can say we have grown spiritually and come closer together. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <coughs> First song today is
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to meet with each other and to be allowed to continue to grow and to continue to be in your word. Please bless those that are here to teach, and please bless Ken as he presents this lesson to us, Lord. Please be us as we continue to go throughout the rest of this place and continue to allow us to spread the gospel and to spread the good news of you, Lord. Please be with those that are bereaved, Lord, and please be with those that are sick. Do everything in your power to keep them, keep them, keep them good to go, Lord, and to bless them and to make them know that we love them and make them understand that they have people with them and they will be forever loved. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you give us. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to continue to do the many blessings in your son's precious name, Lord. Please forgive us where we have failed you, and please allow us to continue to be the good servants that we, need, we know we need to be, Lord. It is in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark your hymnal, number 943 will be the song of invitation. Uh, before Brother Ken leads us, uh, we'll sing uh, Hero Israel. Number four. <laughs> this morning will be from Mark 12, 29 through 30. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Good morning. Certainly great to see you here today. Last week I mentioned to you that the mission team on your behalf 
had contributed $10,000 to the work that's being done in Uganda, specifically in sorority, where there is a Bible school being built. Students are already assembled for the curriculum. We're very excited about that, and you should be excited. We're on the ground floor of that work. One thing I failed to mention, I guess it seemed, I don't know, little incidental at the time, but we had also contributed another $1,000. It was kind of an emergency gift. What happened was there was a, actually he's the director of the Amazing Grace Nursery and Primary School there in Uganda. And he's also a very studious preacher of God's Word. And he had come to some information about a problem that was existing in another country, Kenya. Seems that some of the preachers of the gospel who had been converted to Christianity somehow or other had missed the teaching about one man and one woman for life. They were polygamists. And so hearing about that, Brother Jeremiah felt the urgency to go to this other country, Kenya, and to deal with what was a, a very serious problem. Well, I learned of this and contacted Terry. Treva Brown had alerted us. And so asked Terry, hey, you know, is that, what's the deal? Is that legit? Ab absolutely it is, he said, but we do not have the money that's necessary in order to send Brother Jeremiah to Kenya. I guess we'll have to find some other way. And so the mission team felt the urgency of that. He needed to go quickly because of a break that was pending. And things worked out such that we sent that $1,000. Brother Jeremiah went to Kenya and addressed the problem of polygamy among preachers of the Lord's church. As a result, nine of those preachers repented of the sin of polygamy. And then Brother Jeremiah has stayed back to continue teaching and also addressing some of the ladies' classes about the role of women in the church in such matters. I just wanted you to be aware that things are happening with regard to our missions. And sometimes... I don't know, $1,000 doesn't sound like it could do very much, but in this case, that enabled a preacher of the gospel to go do something, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm, I'm not sure there are very many people that would have gone into a foreign country in order to address what is for them a, a cultural issue and try to bring them to the truth about it. That would be... That's probably a life-threatening sort of situation, but he was willing to go, and why wouldn't we help with a thing like that? Oh, and by the way, in a couple of weeks, we're having a fifth Sunday contribution for missions. I don't know, is it shameless for me to ask if you would give us some more money 
You know what we'll do with it? We'll spend it. <laughs> That's what we will do. And there are needs everywhere. I just can't begin to address that. Okay, so glad you're here today. And I know that there are some folks traveling. It is a time of travel, but we are thrilled that you're here. And I know we have some visitors and we're, we're very thankful that you're part of our assembly today. It was already, already mentioned in our prayer and Larry said something about it too, but I just happen to be the one standing before you right now. I want you to remember that this is a loving congregation. And whoever it is that's standing here, I want you to remember that they love you very much. And if you don't remember any other part of that, just remember, I love you. I love you so much. And the reason that I feel compelled to stand in any pulpit is because I love the people that are out there in that audience looking back at me. Now, if you're smiling, that's a plus. But if you're not, that's okay too. And uh, regardless of how you feel about me, I love you. Today, today we're going to talk about a subject that has really been a challenge for me this week. Some of you occasionally will say, hey, that sermon really, really hit the mark with me. And invariably, I will respond to you that it may have hit your mark, but as I was preparing the sermon, you know, this isn't just a one-way street. As I'm preaching this message, it it is working on me too. I think that's the way God's word is intended to behave. So as I prepare these lessons, I am the first one to respond. I'm the first heart that's touched by God's message. And today, especially, this message has found its place in my heart and helped me to rethink a lot of things about how I love God. And it has really helped me to appreciate God so much more. I hope that will be the case with you too. But God's word does a lot of different things to us and he'll do what he needs to do to you. But I already know what he did to me. We're going to pray about that. I'm going to ask God to help me communicate it in a way you will be able to understand and to get me out of the way. And then secondly, I'm praying not, that you'll, not just that you'll understand what I have to say, but you'll grasp God's word and it's going to find its place with you today in one way or another. If you need to respond to the invitation today, I hope you'll not be afraid to do that. You've seen others do it and the response of this congregation to them, we love you. And if there's something we can help with, that's what we want to do. We'll pray about you and we'll love on you. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love of us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. And just to make that long story short, it makes it possible for us to assemble here today. Just one of the many, many benefits of that sacrifice, let alone the forgiveness of our sins. 
But today, here we are, assembled as your family, unworthy of that name, and yet here we are, because you love us so much, and we love each other, too. I pray, Lord, you'll help us today as we examine this text from Mark 12, that we'll appreciate so much more what Jesus had to say. And what you are sharing with us is the expectation on your part related to our relationship with you. And then learning from that how we treat each other. Lord, I pray you'll help me to preach this message in a way that is very simple and easy to understand. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be with those who hear this message, whether they are very well equipped, maybe already know this message, whether they're in that state or whether this is the first time they've ever heard such a thing. I just pray, Lord, that you'll help each one of us as we receive your message, that it will find its place somewhere in our hearts and we will benefit from what you have to say here today. Thank you for the power of your word and its ability to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Verse 31, Jesus follows that up. And not only does he conclude this is the first commandment, but he goes on with the second. He said the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then this commentary. There is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. I'm a little bit torn because here's what I do a lot of times, either with this text from Mark 12 or the other accounts of Jesus saying some similar thing. I'm often anxious to deal with the second commandment. Because it seems like, at least if we were to quiz one another, and, and maybe you think this anyway, I love God. I don't have a problem with that first one. And so usually, even when I talk about this passage, I will say something along the lines of, well, now you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Really, that's just loving God with all you are and all that you have. And that would be true. That is a true statement. And then usually on that basis, I'll follow up into the second one and I'll say, well, now, 
you notice that he binds up with this endearing love that we have for God with all that we are and all that we have. He connects that with loving your neighbor as yourself. And so since usually that's the one we have the biggest problem with, not that we don't love people, but I mean, don't some people just get under your nerves occasionally? They just, just irritate us or we say something that we didn't intend to say and it's out there now and we feel, you know, relationships, dealing with other people, saying the right thing, acting right, not getting our feelings hurt, thinking the wrong thing, all that stuff bound up together. That, that is usually the problem. And the scriptures spend a lot of time talking about our relationships and oneness in the body and all that. It is important to talk about the second commandment. You know those are quotations Jesus is making from various places in the scriptures. There is the declaration that that first one truly is the first commandment. You find that in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. That's it, first of all. But the second, Leviticus 19, verse 18, maybe, maybe it's an extension of what the first is, but for a lot of people that idea was a new concept. They would love some folks, but their enemies they felt obliged to hate. Jesus settled all of that by describing those two commandments as being like each other. And certainly there is the likeness in the term love. But actually, I think, I think the part that's supposed to be the common denominator here is the degree to which we love. So today, that's really what I want to talk about. It is a description of how we love God, but by extension, it will also be a description of how we love other people. I just want us to talk about how we love God. And this text describes us loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Ken, it's more detailed than just simply saying, I love him with all that I am and all that I have. Yeah, it is. So how about today we break those down and we equip ourselves with an understanding of just how deeply we are supposed to be loving, certainly in its direct application to loving God, but by extension in its likeness to loving our neighbor as ourself. Let's love God with our heart. Okay, so the obvious first question would be, what exactly is it you're talking about when you say to love God with all your heart? What is, what is your heart? You know that passage from Proverbs 23, verse 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. It's from that passage and several passages like it that most people get the idea that the heart is the seat of our understanding. And that would be partly true. It also describes another seat. And when I say a seat, I'm talking about the place where these things rest, their base. The other seat would be the seat of our emotions, our affections, 
And you say, well, how do you, how do you rectify the two? Because uh, that statement right there, as he thinks in his heart, so the heart is thinking, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How did he get to be who he is? Well, the idea goes something like this. He has experiences in the world from which he gains knowledge, right? My experiences help me to understand the world that's around me. And then based on the experiences that I have in the world, I make, well, it's really illogical, although we typically refer to it as our emotions, but I make a logical decision about how I'm going to react to the things that I know that are happening around me in my world. So right there you see there's a connection between my understanding of what I'm experiencing and then how I feel about it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, he is who he is on the basis of what he has learned and experienced in the world and this life that he's living is simply a reaction to it. If those things have been considered good experiences, then I'm going to react that way. And all of us have a base that's different from the others. All of our experiences are very different. Thankfully, most of us, through the experiences of our lives, have had essentially the same reactions. How did I get those reactions? Well, the instruction of God's Word is what helps me to make sense of my world and how it is that I should be responding to it. Now, also, in the mix of my understanding and my reaction to it are oftentimes just these warm, accommodating feelings about the circumstances that are closest to me. So when I talk about my heart, I'm just, I'm talking about how I feel about my world based on my experience in it. Okay. So if that's what heart is all about, then how, how is it that I'm going to love God with all of my heart? Well, when it comes to the affections of things, here's a problem that can develop, and it develops more than you might realize. And that is, based on all of these experiences that I've had in my life, I may have affections for what seem to be contrary things. So, in the examination of it, I would basically say, well, my affections are split. I know it sounds crazy, but I love this, but I also love that over there. You know, Jesus saw that as a part of our nature, about how we actually practically respond to things. And so he made a declaration about it. And that's why this statement is, to me, so penetrating. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. 
You can't have total affection for God on one hand, the true God of heaven. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that God, and then on the other hand, the God of this world. Jesus said that that is not a part of an equation in experience that God is going to accept. So when it comes to my relationship with God, this first step, well, this is going to set the pace for the rest of these steps. Where is my heart? Is my heart 100% committed to the Lord my God? Where is the level of my connection with the God of heaven? You will love the Lord your God with all your heart. There is no division. There is not something that sometimes comes ahead of God. God is always first. Number one, no exception. Which then lends itself to the second of these declarations. And I want to say something before we go any further. It would be easy to get kind of, I don't know, academic about some of these things and just define terms and make them hard realities. Here's the box of the heart. Then we move on to the box of the soul and the box of the mind and the box of the strength. And somehow they are all different. That is, we're talking about the wholeness of a person. So there are always going to be some gray lines and mingling of thoughts as the progression goes. So when I say that these thoughts about the heart naturally segue into this discussion about the soul, I think you'll understand why. So I want to love God with all of my soul. Okay, so, you know, what is the... What is the soul? That would be the natural question. I, I can't give all of that unless I somehow have a sense of what it is. It seems like the soul in connection with what the heart just went through in ascertaining the world and how I feel about it, it's the next step in the depth of our psyche. It's a sense of our mental and our emotional being. Or let's let's put it this way. It It is a sense of my personal being. I think that's why a lot of times... In in discussions, and sometimes we want to try and parse out what soul and spirit are, how they are different, I think sometimes that is more harmful than good. Because what I'm, what I'm ascertaining here is that part of me that makes me me. And, you know, we, we sometimes mess around with our own minds and like, you know, I can, I can think about my brain, you know. I can even, I don't know, I, I can nourish it and make sure that, you know, I do exercises with it, keep it strong. Is that what he's, he's talking about, my brain or things that I know? Is my knowledge limiting what my soul can do? We're not thinking deep enough. 
So I had my experiences, and I had my reactions to those experiences. Those become the ammunition or the tools by which this innate soul within me, God-given, determines just exactly who I am. When I sit and I contemplate and I think about my place in the world, I'm talking about matters related to the soul. So how, how can I take that depth of me, just my, my sense of being, my sense of existence, of where I am in the scope of all things, how do I, how do I take that? that I can hardly even put my finger on to describe and give all of that to God. I've described for you, and sometimes Luther and I will talk about this because maybe you're in this club, but we both like to see the sunrise. It's just the most amazing thing. And I don't think it's because it's just beautiful. There are a lot of things in the world that are beautiful. There's something about the sunrise that reminds us all about the refreshing, the newness of things. And if you know what the scripture says about God and his mercies being renewed every morning, I think it just takes on a whole different impression on our soul so that the soul can express itself this way. And I, I tried to think of something that would really nail it. And I, my mind kept going back to Psalm 63. You know how that starts? He says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, is he talking about being hungry and thirsty? Is he talking about his physical being? He, he is not. He is talking about his soul's longing for God. In the very next verse, he talks about the anticipation of going into the sanctuary of God. I just... God, I just want to be near you. So think, my heart is in this because I've had these experiences in the world that were not good. And I know how I feel about them. And they push me to fill my soul with you, God. So how would I take that and give all of it to God? You are supposed to be here, right in the midst of all of that. Yeah? You are feeding that soul, and you are expending all of it, giving all of it to God. When you started singing today, that was a part of it. You started singing those words that were to glorify God. That is a soul that is so yearning to express itself to God Almighty 
the one God that you just, your heart just opens up with your experiences and your soul just shouts in the acclaim of God how great he is. Just in the singing of all the, you can lose yourself in the singing of these songs because of your adoration to God, just your soul aching to connect with him. That happened when we were being led in these prayers and you hear the words, Michael, when you expressed your, your depth of appreciation for God and bringing us all together as we are setting our minds and our hearts on worshiping to God, what a beautiful set of sentiments were expressed. And when he said those words, we were all thinking the same thing. It is like all of us were standing together hand in hand with Michael leading us in those words as we took them right to the very throne of God. Our souls, again, are adoring God and thanking him and making requests of him. We are all in all of it. That should be happening now. I mean, this is a period of, this is not just a Bible class. You know, we get our notes, we writing down, we're going to study it again later. Hey, I have a question. That's, what we're doing is we're listening to God. What does God have to say for all of us? And it's one mind. So as we're contemplating these things of God, it's as one body, one unit. Our souls, again, are just mingling together in adoration of the true God. We'll do the same thing when we Partake of the Lord's Supper. One body, one mind, remembering the death of Jesus and how precious that is to all of us. Same thing when we are giving of our means. We're not thinking about, you know, how, how we have to do this or we have to do that or, boy, I hope, hope people see me put this in the collection. Aren't we way beyond that when our soul is dictating our gratitude to God? We are we're trying to hold ourselves back in just the outpouring of things to God. How, how do I love God with all my soul? Am I not doing that now? Am I not doing it when I'm contemplating who God is? I see that sun rising out there or when I'm helping someone in need, or when I'm meditating on his word in my private time, my soul is involved in the deepest expression of my personal being to the one true God of heaven. And I'm to love God with all my mind. <laughs> What is my mind? Is he talking about our intellect? Well, partly, yes. But maybe not in the way you think. It isn't just the pouring in of knowledge. But it's more in how we're using our mind. Our intellect, a part of it, but the accumulation of, of things in our intellect. And I, and I don't have to tell you that there's quite a bit of competition for what's going 
in us, the things we recognize, the decisions that we make. And we may hold a hard line about a particular subject for a while, but with enough programming in the other direction, we can begin to skew our thinking related to a large range of topics. Television programs are called programs for a reason. <laughs> There's a an agenda oftentimes behind the things that you see. I see a lot of people with this little box in their hand all the time. They're so enraptured with what's going on in that little rectangular box that they run into posts on the streets. They drive erratically on the highway. I cannot begin to tell you and if toy fars in here, so be it. But I can't begin to tell you the amount of times I'll see a car weaving back and forth. And by the time, Anita's like, get around them, get around, get around. <laughs> by the time I get around them, very safely, according to the speed limit and such, I'll happen to notice they're not even looking at the road. They're looking at that little box in their hand. Wow. A lot of attention given to something on that box. I don't know what. Maybe it's some social communication. Maybe it's some news feed. Maybe it's something else. But something has gotten all of the attention. Our minds are becoming more and more dedicated to those sorts of things. Things that in the scope of all things don't really matter very much. How much are we enraptured with the Word of God? How much time do we spend like that in meditation? upon God in prayer and such. I'm just throwing that out there because I'm wondering specifically about this. How, how is it that I love God with all my mind, the processing there? I think part of it's just like what we talked about earlier, the dedication to it. I, I need to spend more time with God. But it is the battle that God finds himself in. You know, the child of God especially ought to, be, ought to be concentrating his mind on the things of God. That, that ought to be our concentration. But so many times there are other things competing for it. When Peter was talking about us by inspiration, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he says that as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. As it is written, be holy... For I am holy. Now, here's the combining of thoughts that I talked about a moment ago. So, yeah, there is the sense of my mind or my intellect, but that, that base is what really drives the things that I do. So he says holiness is going to be like a two-part process. God is holy. He's calling for you to be holy. Typically, when we think of holiness, we think of an internal aspect, but that internal aspect of holiness drives our outward actions. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their hearts who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now right here is the dichotomy of this world. A mind filled with ungodly things on the one hand and a mind that has been transformed to serve God. And he laid it out right there in Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24. We got to make a choice. I think we made the choice when we obeyed the gospel, but sometimes we slip back into the pressures that the world, maybe it's part of that little rectangle you hold in your hand or the rectangle hanging on the wall or sitting on a stand. But whatever the influence, he says, we don't go back to the ungodly and unholy ways of our past. We are a, we are a transformed, different sort of people. Instead, having emptied ourselves of all that ungodliness, we ought to be filling ourselves with righteousness. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. How do I love God with all my mind? I love him with a mind that is centered absolutely on him. And then I'm going to love God with all my strength. What do you mean strength exactly? Sometimes when we think of strength, just think of our ability to do things. And so we might naturally come to the idea of our energies. And maybe he's talking about, I'm just going to give all my energy to the Lord, all that I can do. I'm giving it. Okay. Maybe partly so. I remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, just as well as you do. If you love me, keep my commandments. So that's a doing passage. Sure enough, it might have to do with my energies. But I'm thinking more in terms of the way he put this statement. I'm going to love him with all my strength. I have to ask myself, what is my strength? How do I give all my strength? I give all my strength to God by giving him what I'm strong in what I'm cut out for. Maybe it's my accomplishments. I give him all my accomplishments. Maybe it's my influence. I give him all my influence. Maybe, maybe it's those things that are within the realm of my capabilities. Again, I just, I just ask the question, what can I do? And let me give you an example of this, because this also comes from Ephesians chapter 4, if you're still there. It starts at verse 25. It, it's, it's a beautiful 
the illustration here. So you can do, right? You, you have strengths. You can do what you want to do with those strengths. Say you have the gift of speech. Well, you can do one of two things with that. You can lie, lie, lie. And I've known some accomplished liars in my time. And I thought, man, the way you are able to weave your stories and lay out those lies, if you applied that to something positive, you'd be, you'd be wealthy. You know, you, you'd be a book writer or, or... He says, there are those who lie. But how about this? Instead of dedicating yourself to lying which is clearly your strength, how about you dedicate whatever fuels that, whatever that, that quantitative strength is, and apply that to teaching the truth? You know, how powerful would you be if, with the skill you lie, you could actually teach the truth? Or, he talks about those who get angry. To me, that's just a picture of passion within them. And sometimes they have so much passion for a thing, they become frustrated and so they get angry. And he says, peace, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. That's great, you're passionate, but, but look, you're letting your passion just ignite you and you're getting out of control. If you can take that passion and place it under control. Think of the good that you could do. He talks about those who are thieves, who steal with their hands. And you know, again, it's kind of like that lying deal. They are so accomplished at stealing. How many of you get 30 robocalls a day? <laughs> I, my, my, my phone now even has a feature on it. It'll tell me. You know, this is one of those. I, I love that because I just don't even answer it. And I've gotten to the point where if it's not from my zip code or from my area code, I, I'm not even going to answer the thing. Somebody, we're afraid, is going to try to scam us. You get all kinds of scam emails. I've got a whole section where they just dump into that in my messaging system. Somebody has gone to a lot of trouble, probably a lot of schooling and study to be able to figure out how to cheat people. But what if they applied that to something that was good? So he says, you got your hands? You've been using those hands to steal? How about instead, use your hands to make something good for somebody who's in need? That would, be, that would be putting my strength to good use. And the final thing he talks about here is people just run in their mouth. They've got the gift of gab, but it seems like they kind of drift into some negative communication. Either it's the words that they use or the way that they use them to tear other people down. He said, wouldn't it be great if they took that and translated that into a way of communicating people where you actually exhort and built them up? 
You encourage them. And then he concludes it this way. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away. forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if those things which we say are our strength would never be used for evil or even for selfish purposes but that those things, those strengths well just like he says would be turned in love for God such that we could say without any qualification that we love God with all our strength. The text says that the first commandment is the greatest commandment. There's no debating about that. And how many things would get out of whack, out of sorts, out of place, if we didn't love God the right way and then by extension love one another the right way? What a mess it would be if we didn't love God and our neighbor with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God. Love God with all that you possess, sure all your money, all your things. Love God with all of it. Love God with your whole family. Influence your wife or your husband to serve the Lord. Influence your children to love God too with all that they have. Just take that family and dedicate them to the Lord. How about we love the Lord with all of our time and our energies such that we will listen to the Lord and we will praise and uplift the Lord. We will thank the Lord and obey the Lord. How about that we love God in the workplace? How about we set that level of influence that without even saying a word indicates complete dedication to the Lord? How about we love God in our relationships? We lift him up in the midst of our friends and associates. How about we love God with all that makes us who we are? How about, how about you love God with all that makes you, you? If I could do that, then I will have made a choice. I will have made a choice to give it all to God. And I will have become more and more like Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said, Luke 22 and verse 42. Not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes we boil that one down too. And we say, well, yeah, here at the beginning, I'm going to decide that I'm going to do it the Lord's way. You know, I'm praying about a thing and I say, not my will, but your will. So I'm not invested in it. Just however it goes, Lord, I'll be fine. 
That's one level of dedication, but how about this? How about you're already in the middle of it? What if in your prayer that the Lord's will be done, what that really means is not just that I will do your will, but that actually something that now is my will is going to have to be undone in order for his will to prevail. Do you love him that much? Today is an opportunity for all of us, an opportunity to say, you know what, I, I realize it, it's, it's deeper than just I'm going to give him all that I have and all that I am. I, I'm, I'm going to give him all, I'm going to give him all that is even within the depths of me, all my heart all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and all that every one of those entails. You've been missing some of that? Let's pray about it today. Let's resolve that it's going to be better. Today's going to be the first day in a long time, maybe ever, that we gave everything of ourselves to the Lord. If you're not a child of God today, today's the day to give up yourself and to obey the gospel. To have your sins washed away. There is no other way. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing that faith, you can be buried in this water right here to have your sins washed away, rising up in newness of life, having committed all that you are to serving the Lord. Is there anybody who needs to take any of those steps today? Now's your opportunity. Why don't you come? Give it all while we stand together and sing. Have you a heart that's weary?
for the Lord's Supper, uh, please raise your hand. I went to a wedding yesterday. That's the first wedding I've been to in 
probably about 10 years. And I made a remark. I said, I feel like I'm going to a funeral. That wasn't an anti-marriage comment. It's just because if I ever get dressed up when it's not a church day, that's usually what I'm going to. And as I was preparing the thoughts for today, I was thinking about the life instead of the death. And then when Ken did the sermon today, I was like, that actually aligns perfectly. It's funny how that stuff happens. I did some math this morning. The crucifixion, if Christ lived exactly 33 years, was 0.002% of his life. When he instituted this supper, he didn't say, remember the cross. He said, do this in remembrance of me. That includes that life and that effort. And those four things that Ken talked about, the heart, the mind, the soul, and the strength, he did that for us. And he demonstrated that for us. And if you don't believe that, read the last verse of John when it says, if it was all written down, the books could not contain it. And if that doesn't convince you, read the book of Mark and make a note every time the word immediately was used. That's the strength. That's the heart, the mind, and the soul. So as you think today, as you reason today, make sure you let your emotions go at heart into what you're remembering. Make sure your thoughts go into what you are remembering. And that will guide your soul, your strength, and your discipline. This is part of worship, and all of you should be involved in it. All of your body is what I mean when I say that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so mindful of the blessings you bestowed upon us, Lord. But the number one blessing you gave us is the chance of salvation. And that came through your Son and his willingness to come, to live his life in a way, to show us the way, to train us, to teach us, Heavenly Father. And he gave every ounce of his being for us. And Lord, right now we remember his body. And as we take this bread that represents that body, let us all do it in a manner that is pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we know there was a sacrifice that was made. And that sacrifice, Heavenly Father, allowed the blood to be shed that washes us free of our sins. And we pray that as we take this, Heavenly Father, we will remember that sacrifice, always be thankful for that sacrifice, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our salvation. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
first day of the week the disciples came together to break bread. On the first day of the week the churches always come together to give back a portion of that which God has blessed us with. And we all realize uh, that live in this country especially that we are probably blessed more so than any other generation that's, that's lived before us. So with that in mind let's uh, thank God for the blessings that he has given us. Our Heavenly Father, we're so very grateful to live in a country that is so richly blessed as our country is. We're thankful to live in a country that is as God-centered as it is. We realize there's very few countries on earth that think of you and uh, lift you up as, as our country does. Even though we have all the faults and difficulties that we have, we're so very thankful for so many people that try to serve you to the best of their ability. We thank you for blessing us and we're convinced that some of those blessings are as a result of the faith and trust we put in you. So as we give back a portion of those things you've blessed us with, we pray, Father, that we might do so in a pleasing manner in your sight. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning, December the 17th, 2023. I only have one announcement this morning. The Youth Progressive Dinner begins at 3.45 p.m. today with appetizers at the Langley Home. The bus will leave the TAC at 3.30, so if you're going to participate, you need to be at the TAC before 3.30 this afternoon. After the evening classes, the main meal will be at the foster home, and the evening will conclude at the Elliott home with desserts and singing. And that is all the announcements I have. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and worship you and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned, may we apply it to our lives and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, most of all for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, as we go back to our homes. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 